Welcome to Hollywood, John. <laughs> How you doing? Doing well. Doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. good. You know, these are unnecessary questions that we have to ask for the listeners that don't know that we've already been talking for probably a half hour prior to starting this. But uh, hey, we'll cut the bullshit. Everybody, my friend John of the band Microwaves is in the building. Make some noise. Hello. Hello. Good to see you, John. Good to see you, Brian. You're a person that I've known for like a while now. I feel like we've probably known each other for close to 10 years in one way or another through the music scene. In passing. Yeah. 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 yeah, Mostly, but uh, but we really haven't ever like just been able to sat down and, you know, talk (laughs) rap. Yeah. 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 Because we've always been loading in or out of venues right or maybe right we like run into each other awkwardly somewhere or working a merch table uh-huh yeah, yeah all that stuff so it's cool to like actually sit down and get to talk to you uh you are somebody that i mean outside of microwaves you've been playing in bands for i imagine a big chunk of your life you've played in a lot of bands yeah and uh you're uh somebody that i find fascinating because playing in bands as most people know that do play in bands is a whole lot of bullshit, but you're There's, still, you're still, you're still yeah. putting up with it. You found a healthy way to balance it. And so you, it, it appears usually when I see you at events that you're having a good time, you I, can still find the good in it. I, I, I like to think that I, yeah, that, that I'm having a good time. Yeah. And uh, a lot of people I find they don't always appear to be having a good time. So what's the secret, John? To having a good time. Oh, being in um, a, an independent rock slash metal slash whatever band. Yeah. Um, it's, there's, um, I don't know. I, th- I think it's really just knowing how to manage your stress and kind of, kind of, uh, identify what you've already been through. And if it's kind of one of those things again, and you should just, if you should just let it slide or not. Sure. 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 I think that, I mean, obviously a big part of, being in a band is uh, your environment and the people that you're in a band with. You know, I'm sure that I know I've played in bands with people that just were not the type of people that I personally gelled with. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that I didn't want to be in a band anymore. I just didn't want to be in that band anymore. Right. I didn't want to be around those people anymore. I feel like I will always love music. And sometimes people that get real jaded about the music scene, I tend to find that it's really not them. It's just they're in kind of an unfortunate environment. Well, or it could be them in that situation. They, they might not have the same work ethic. Sure, sure, sure. And, uh, you know, there's, 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 uh, I do a lot in every band that I play in, you know, like, like aside from playing music mm-hmm. and, and that's not a slight against anybody else. Um, but, but I, I just like to be able to be able to do that and not, not be stifled. And, you know, like, like everybody has different qualities that they can bring to the table. And but, but, um, you know, there, there, there are other situations where I think sometimes people just might not want to bring anything to the table anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I think they would rather just stay home and which is perfectly fine with me. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's all, it's all part of, all part of growing up, I guess. Mm-hmm. I think that there is uh, an important part of any uh, air quote business, not to use that word when describing a band, but depending on the level that you're on, it is a business to some degree. 
And uh, you need to like understand like the roles of what everybody does in the business. And sometimes you might know that somebody isn't like really useful in some areas, but they are really useful in others. Exactly. And it's just like, okay, well, I just won't waste any energy or uh, yeah, I won't waste any energy having expectations for something that I already know you are not capable of. Right, right, right. <laughs> That's the nicest way I could possibly put it. Yeah. Um, so with microwaves, you put out a new record. That's kind of like the main basis of why we are here today, but we're probably going to talk about a lot of stuff that is not necessarily attached to microwaves because oh, I hope you are, so. you are a human being outside of the band. Yeah. But real quick, Let's talk about the album. Okay. Give me the spiel. The spiel. Um, well, uh, for reasons beyond our control, we found ourselves in a spot where we had no bassist uh, slash vocalist. Um, usually the band consists of myself on drums, Dave on guitar and vocals, and a bass player who also handles usually about 50% of the vocals. And so we went down the list of uh, our options, you know, names we could bring in. And uh, we went back to Steve, who was our original bass player, and Adam, who was in the band a few times since 2006. And... We had an idea to maybe do a record and just kind of do it as a record and see where it goes from there uh, that, that include, included both of them. And then if there were live shows that would connect afterward, then that would be that. And, you know, we, we, could, we could play live as well, which we have been. So, so on one side of the record, we have a trio with Steve Moore and the other side, we have a trio with Adam McGregor. That's very cool. What was that like experience like being able to go back into writing a song, but with like new people and not really knowing how it was going to go? Because I think like once you have like a solid lineup for a certain amount of time, you never know what the music is going to be, but you have an idea of what the workflow is going to be like. So now you're bringing two new people into the picture. Did it change the workflow at all for you guys? Only slightly. Yeah. Uh, I want to say for the past maybe six or seven years, we've gotten really comfortable where Dave will demo a lot of stuff, you know, and it'll just be guitar and program drums. And, uh, he'll send those to me and I'll, I'll learn those and we might even rearrange them. Um, I might learn the parts that he has programmed. I might come up with my own. Usually things are kind of a combination between both. Yeah. Um, you know, and then sometimes we can e extend a composition, shorten it, uh, based on, you know, uh, what we think the attention span is going to be, you know, I mean, it's, it's like, we've already written, you know, six, seven work, uh, six or seven albums worth of material. So you get to that point where you don't think that you have to write long songs just to fill up time anymore if you want to write a song that's 30, 35 seconds, you can do that and just move on. The song's finished. And then you write three more songs that are 35 seconds. 
yeah. and, and then maybe write one that's seven minutes. Yeah. Um, so, so there's, there's no, there's no, uh, rule set, but, uh, we got really used to writing like that. And then whoever the third person was would always add their part afterward. Got it. So the new record was written as 14 songs that we got all of the, the guitars, drums, and about half of the vocals ready for recorded it like that. And then picked seven to send to Steve and seven to send to Adam. What we kind of figured, you know, would be the ones where, uh, they would in some cases easily connect with in other cases, maybe kind of throw them a curveball just to see what would come out. But, but there, there were no rules as far as, uh, Oh, you, you were in the band before. Remember how it was and like how we did things like, well, you got to do it like that. Yeah. It was, it was more of just a reference point. It's like, uh, well, that was your, that's what you did. You could do something like that, or you could do something that we've never even considered and we'll see how it goes. And, uh, except for a couple little tweaks, uh, that's, uh, these were, you know, all pretty much like the, the first ideas presented to us from these guys. Totally. So when you're like talking about like after writing like six, seven albums worth of material and um, for the most part, primarily working with the same person on like a lot of this, like the core of this stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, like, have you found yourself becoming like more, like more of an attention to detail type person in regards to songwriting or do you find yourself a lot more relaxed like in that, like, Oh, like whatever you do with this do. And like, it's going to work. Like it's just music or does it have to be like a hyper specific thing? Uh, it's a little bit of both. I think we, um, it's relaxed, but then afterward, especially in the recording process is where the details start to sure come into play. And, and you, you realize, Oh, there's this, little spot where we could make this, this other thing happen that we hadn't previously considered. And, uh, so you try and see if you can make that work and maybe like leave, leave a little bit of room. So maybe it can work live as well. Yeah. Um, you know, but, uh, yeah, like uh, none of these songs are ever 100% the way they are on record when, when you see us live and I wouldn't want it to be that way. It's, it's, it's never been that way from the start. Yeah. You know, like, like things could be anywhere. Like, you know, they might be like 90, 10 or 95, five somewhere, somewhere around there. Yeah. There's, there's some variation. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a human experience and I feel like there's really no point in seeing a band perform unless you're going to get that human experience really. Right. Um, you know, it's not, I don't need like the, uh, Chuck E. Cheese animatronics on a stage playing to like a metaphorical backtrack. You know, I want to see some shit right, when right, I see right. a band play. And I like when I've seen a band play multiple times and you know, you're like, Whoa, I've never seen them do this that way before. Or even sometimes you might see a band that's really good. Like, kind of fuck something up and it's just oh, like yeah that was exactly. kind of funny but hey they're human it's nice to be reminded that like people that are really good at things still 
make mistakes. Yes. And definitely. you don't have to be perfect all the time. And I don't know, like, I mean, that's a big pet peeve of mine with like rock music in general of like the past couple decades where it's like, uh, perfection is like the goal with like playing and things like that. And like, yeah, yeah be good at what you do, but it doesn't need to be so yeah, sterile. Even then perfection does not equal good. Totally not. No. Cause you lose a lot of that human element in things. You know what I mean? There's a reason why like going back to program drums, why do program drums sound weird? Sure. Because it's like samples, but also there's no dynamic in it. Right. Or right. like if you auto tune a vocal, like you lose a lot of the dynamic, the things that make you resonate with a vocalist. You think about like really great vocalists, like a, I don't know, like a, a Janis Joplin or something. And it's just like, yeah, wasn't perfect, but it was like fucking raw. And like, you felt what that person was saying. Right. I, I like to hear when, when someone voice, someone's voice cracks. Totally. Yeah. Like, like, I mean, yeah. And Janis Joplin is a good example of that. She, she had a lot of moments where her, uh, voice went off the rails a little bit. You know, I mean, there's probably like, like a band, like, I don't know, good examples, a band like Fugazi, mm. uh, there's, there's, you know, crazy voice cracking all over those recordings. And I'm sure it was not by design, but they left it in cause they ended up liking sure. the result, you know? And I mean, to be fair to those people that can sing really well without their voice cracking, there's plenty of beautiful performances out there. Like it doesn't have to be right flawed for it to be good. But you can tell when something has just been um, modified in a way that just makes it feel like I'm listening to something that is just not real. But um, that has become the sound that has become very popular with especially with younger people. Yeah, it really you know, has. We've I remember a comment that has haunted me for years. Um regarding uh, a gray Walker record that we put out. I remember somebody had left a comment on a YouTube video or something and it was just like, this sounds cheap. The drums sound cheap. And like, we had just mic the drums and recorded them. And right. it's a well, it's not like we recorded it in a studio. You know, we didn't, it wasn't a DIY recording. It sounded like guys in a room playing, but it didn't sound like, you know, hyper compressed, drum triggered or replace samples or anything like that. You know, it's that we mic'd calves, we mic'd drums and yeah, we did the thing. Cause that, 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 like, that's what we wanted to do. Cause that's like what makes sense to us, you know? Yeah. There was a period in the early two thousands probably where, uh, the limitations of, 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 uh, like recording and using triggers on drums kind of created a new sound that people thought that's what drums sounded like. Oh Yeah. And so they started having to, or like they didn't have to, but they, they tried to replicate that live and, and it just, I don't know, like sometimes it just sounded like comedy drums to me. Yeah. Yeah. I love like seeing, I mean, it's like, it's, it's so fun to watch, like, especially you see it a lot with like the technical death metal bands that have that real clicky, uh, kick drum. Yeah. And it'll just be fucking flying at like 300 BPM and just sound completely absurd. Yes. But it's also like rad too. I don't know why I kind of have like and a there, soft spot for yeah, it. There, there, there is like a, a strange element to it that, that I can appreciate sometimes, but, but yeah, some, sometimes it also just sounds like it doesn't sound like a kick drum. It sounds like a snare. Sure. Yeah. There's, 
a weird thing that like you had touched on where um, it's been really interesting with heavy metal in particular, but this goes for a lot of different genres, how um, the technology has inspired um, like the, um, the development of the art, you know, like as a result of us being able to like do more crazy things, like either like get really good sound replacement or like really good plugins that can do like really quick noise gates on a kick drum to make it sound all like really, really crazy. Right. Um, so now as a result of being able to do this, now bands can write crazier music because now it can be recorded in a way that is like audible, even if it's fake. Yeah. You get where I'm going yeah. with this? Oh, I, so I, I, I be, see what you mean. So like, it's like as a result of being able to do all of this hyper editing of music, zoom into like, you know, the, the craziest degree quantize things, fix things, move things, you know, now you're able to make this stuff that is just like, it sounds inhumanly possible because it kind of is. It, it is. But yeah. then you have all of these kids. Now people like there's like that band Polyphia who, uh, you know, um, they're more, they do like the instrumental crazy guitar stuff. Okay. Um, and they're young, but they grew up listening to stuff that people did with computers that probably was altered, but because they thought that was the normal, they actually learned how to do it. So now they're playing this stuff naturally and it's really cool to see, you know, so it's yeah. like things are coming back around to some degree. Like you're seeing a lot of young players that grew up listening to basically what I call like computer generated heavy metal, but they <laughs> think that people are really playing it. So instead of like learning how to play with, you know, like some grunge record or some like, uh, like Slipknot record, they're trying to like learn how to play like, the faceless or learn how to right. play like some like aborted or some other crazy, like, you know, modern technical death metal stuff. And like, that's normal to them. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm sure the recording process behind a lot of those records was a little bit, uh, fishy, nothing against the artists. It's just, <laughs> it is what it is. Right. Um, but it's, it's just interesting to see how it has developed over time. Yeah. There, there are people that do that, but I just have no interest in it. Sure. It's, it's just not, it's, there's nothing enjoyable about it. Yeah. To, I, to me, I find that at least with that for me to like be interested in it, I need to like connect with it musically and for like really, really fast, crazy stuff. It's really hard for me to like connect with it. Like it's impressive that mm -hmm. you can do that, but it's not like the, it's really hard to like convey a human emotion as far as I'm concerned. But a lot of people don't listen to music to connect with it emotionally. Some people listen, I don't know, people listen to music for all different kinds of reasons. They do. They do. You know, um, I, I, I think I always uh, go back to this, but I, th I think one of the reasons people listen to music is because of the vocals for the most part, because uh, most people aren't musicians and they, they can't relate to that. Um, but, but yeah, like there, there, there are other people that listen to uh, more, more instrumental based music, you know, even if it does have vocals that, uh, it, um, how do I put this? Yeah. I, 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 I guess they're maybe they like it because it sounds like a video game they play. Sure. I think that it's really, I think it's probably rare to find people that listen to instrumental music that aren't musicians to some degree yeah or maybe creative in some way like an artist like oh i listen to this when i paint or i listen to this when i'm doing this yeah i find that 
most people that engage with music, like you said, it's like the vocals are always the first thing. And that's what like turns a lot of people off from more extreme styles of music. Right. To begin right. With. Oh, for, for years, I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard, uh, yeah, I like the music, but oh, I just can't get, can't get behind these vocals. You know, it's just sound like a bunch of screechy, like screechy animals and w- whatever else. And it's, sure. uh, you know, and, and yeah, there, there, there are different uh, arguments to be made on both sides. You know, it's, it's it, it could be uh, that sort of vocal approach could be just another instrument in the mix, mm-hmm. which in some cases is true. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I just tend to take everything on a case by case basis. With a band like Microwaves, I'm always really interested in the intent behind the songwriting process in regards to like how accessible versus how intentionally unaccessible are we trying to make a part? Like when you're writing songs, cause there's a lot of stuff in your music that is like objectively unaccessible, abrasive, but cool, you know, but it's still mm-hmm. like very like, okay, like this is like, we're creating a feeling almost more like a, a sound effect in rhythm that is like, really really intense and is it like oh like we need to break up and i want this to be like i don't know do you think about writing songs uh, like that well i mean again it's it's a that's another thing it's a case by case totally situation yeah. and we don't intentionally do that but sometimes the intent is to write something that is very uh scattered and, you know, maybe intense or whatever your, you know, adjective you can apply. Uh, but then to juxtapose it with something that is almost kind of catchy. Yeah. It's interesting, you know, with this kind of music, um, like that bands like microwaves does where I always think about it as an outsider in terms of like, um, you know, the intention and are we using, chaos to stitch together parts or are we using chaos because this is intentional chaos and there is a reason for these like wild dynamics that are happening musically you know what i'm saying like you know like like especially like if you start thinking about like lyrically what's going on like if you're like telling a story and that story interacts with the chaos and it's like, okay, there's a reason for all of these things. I think about like songwriting sometimes is like a movie or like even shorter, like a roller coaster and like everything has a purpose. Yeah. You know, the ups and the downs and the twists and the turns. It's a good analogy. But, um, a lot of times like, you know, and I, I don't feel this way about microwaves. I think there's a very good intent behind most of the music that you do. Um, I'm not familiar with all of it, so I can't say all of it, but everything I've heard, I've seen you play live. It's fun. And, uh, but there's definitely bands that, you know, it, that I just find they just like, it's like crazy for the sake of crazy. And it's just like, why, like, what is the point of even doing this? Yeah. It kind of becomes this sort of like, almost like, I don't know. It's, it's like musical athletics. And, and it's, it's uh, like, there's this, uh, it's just more about flexing prowess. Yeah. Well, I, even after like, a while and I just, and just kind of like, it, it almost has, uh, w- whether intended or not, sometimes it can have this sort of almost like 
like jock attitude. Sure. There's that attitude. You know, right. And then there's also like, like, just like, like bigger, faster, stronger. Sure. I think there's definitely that there's like the, the need to show off ability. And then I also find that sometimes there's just like a lack of knowing what we should do next. Like the song has gotten to a point. Mm-hmm. So, well, really you could just do anything crazy and distract people. Yeah. Or like if you're like a, another style of music, you could be like, well, just put in a breakdown, put in a breakdown. Right. And there was that awful area like or if like if you're for like a grindcore band, which I have no issue with grindcore. Right. But a lot neither. of the times it's like parts of songs are just stitched together with movie samples. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, OK, like, give me a fucking break here. Like this is just like poor songwriting. Right. But right. People, I mean, also, I don't know if like I should be analyzing grindcore through a songwriter's lens. I think there's probably another I, I, purpose for it. Yeah, but 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 I I've there are other forms of music that that use that same process. I mean, I've heard it in hip hop. Totally, heard, totally. Heard it in yeah. Like industrial dance is like a, a a big one for that sort of thing. Um sure there's a few other things. Yeah. It's just interesting when you have um bands that are really like centered like like microwaves for me is like, it's all about dynamics. Like, you know, I don't like even the, there's like, it's like the music is just, it's like dynamics. I don't know what genre you consider yourselves. I'm mm-hmm. just like, it's an, ex, it's, it's, a, it's it, punk rock. It's, it's an, it's an, uh, it's a, um, an exhibition of sonic dynamics as far as I also like have like really like checked out from like trying to like genre, things in my like good old age good i just like uh i just you know i like i like music that's it i don't need it to be like a certain style you know but like with bands like microwaves that are just all about dynamics i find them to be like the most fascinating people to talk to in terms of songwriting because like when you're playing so much with dynamics there's really no rules like you could take things down and like make things as simple or as chaotic as possible and there's a lot of bands that you know, pigeonhole themselves and they Mm -hmm. can't do that. And it's just like, I feel like it would be so like, I don't know, dumb to be in a band like that. Well, that's why we started writing shorter songs. Uh, You you, you said that some bands don't know what to do next or we just stop. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, totally, totally. You don't, you don't know what to do. So just stop. Yeah. You don't need to do anything else. You know, I mean, like, like I, I know some people think that they're making music for someone else, but, but I want to say in most in- instances, uh, the intended audience doesn't care. Sure. It's, it's really hard. There's like, there's the idea of music being a conversation between the, uh, the performer and the listener. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if you're not having a conversation that the listener can understand or is interested by, then they're going to walk away. They don't care about, they're not going to have, uh, any sort of attachment to, you know, your air quote message. Right. But also if you cater too much to the audience and you have no identity, then it's like, well, what's the point of listening to what you have to say when I've already heard somebody else say this thing yes. to me three or four times? It's like, you know, when like uh, everybody. So like 
side side story. Uh, I have a thing where everybody thinks that I'm like the biggest Ninja Turtles fan in the world. Granted, I do have some Ninja Turtles action figures here. I have the Ninja Turtles tattooed on me. Okay. I have a Ninja Turtles movie poster right there, but I don't need you to fucking text me because there's a video game coming out or a new movie. Or did you see this thing? Did you see that thing? I don't need you to let me know. I know you're being nice, but a, you know, goddamn well, I already know about it. B, <laughs> I just like everybody, but that's the thing. It's like, you know, that I just don't need to hear the same thing from everybody all the time. And I feel that way a lot about music. It's a really stupid analogy, but it was, I'm just, I'm flying off the seat of my pants uh, here. You no, know what I'm no, saying? There, there, uh, there, there are, uh, but, you know, it's just like, yeah, there, there's, there's, there, there's, a similar lines, uh, through like, you know, music and movies and, and art and, you know, comics. um, yeah, there's, there's, it's, uh, I think they, they kind of run parallel. Yeah. And, uh, just like, you know, if you are again, I mean, that's why I, I, the one thing that I've always liked about you too, John, as a person is like, when you've asked me to play shows, you're not afraid of mixed genre lineups. Oh, and it's really cool to be like in a environment. I love playing shows where the band's are dynamically different. Everybody's interesting in their own way, but you're not hearing the same fucking thing two, three, four times in a night. Right, right, right. You know, so like that's kind of the same thing that could even happen there, you know, with this idea of like, what is everybody bringing to the table? And if you like only surround yourselves with people that sound or bands that sound exactly like you, I find it, it's like makes it so much harder to actually grow in like your local scene or grow outside of, your bubble. I don't know. I've always found more success just finding the weirdos and not worrying about like being pigeonholed into again, like a genre. Yeah, I, I'm, shows. I'm the same way. I mean, it, I like some death metal. I like a lot of death metal. Uh, but you know, if I'm going to go and see a show, that's seven death metal bands. Like e e each one of those bands better be pretty special. <laughs> sure. It, you know, yeah. like, I mean, you, you like that, like the cracks really start to show. So if, if you're not doing something that is of yourself, uh, you know, you, you better be so well rehearsed in, in everybody else's language. Yeah. That's a, that's a really, really good way of playing it. I think that like, there's like, you know, it also depends on like how into that thing you are. I know some people that are like, so, and that's, that, that's death really, metal. And, and that's really sweet that you noticed that by the way, about the booking shows. So, oh, so yeah, no, I, it's, I, you know, I, I'm, you know, I know I'm a very, I'm a very young chap, John, but I, I've, I've been around the block and I've met a lot of ding dongs and, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, it's, you know, I feel like, uh, as they say sometimes in the streets, real recognize real John. And I think you're a real one. Well, thank you. But that's, you. that's me now saying that I think I'm a real one, which is incredibly way too egotistical to say. So uh, no, you're real. You're real. I try my best, you know? Yeah. It's we're, 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 we're real. You, you know, know, if anybody wants to uh, <laughs> call in and uh, talk about it, keep in mind, this is pre-recorded. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, so we are not accepting callers. Totally. Uh, totally not actually. Um, 
with the concept of ego though, this is actually a conversation I'd be curious to have with you. Um, because you know, earlier, I can't remember if it was recording or if we were recording or not recording at this time, but we were talking about like old bands live, like Van Halen and shit like that. Right. right. That are just like so much of rock music thrives on ego. Yeah. To some degree. But like, I don't really get that from every band nowadays. That's not even something that I get at all from microwaves, but I'm curious just as a individual, like in a fan of music and a participator of music, how important is ego to you in terms of like music? Well, uh, do you mean from the perspective of being me like, uh, like, like in a band yeah, yeah, like being in a band and just like having like ego on stage, like ego, like having like a like an attitude of like, yeah, like I'm in a band and I do something good. And like, you know, this is cool. This is rock and roll. Check me out. Well, like that kind of thing. It, it doesn't have to be that sometimes. Uh, I think it's just better to be comfortable. Um, I because I, I, I think that comes across as well. Yeah. You know, you, you don't necessarily have to like, you, you are probably one of the most relaxed people that I've ever met considering the kind of music you play. Okay. <laughs> well, I wasn't always this way. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I've, 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 I've done a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. Understood. Got it. Um, but yeah, some, sometimes it's just a, a matter of just being comfortable in your own skin. It, it's, it's not ego. Um, you know, and, and then, then there's like the, also like the band ego to consider, yeah. you know, like, like the, the collective It's it's like you, I don't know. It's like you, you say like a band like Van Halen, that is like, there's four really strong egos. No, no, no matter which lineup they've ever, ever had, there's always four really strong separate egos, but then there's like the you know, the collective ego that's also really strong and really yeah. recognizable as that. But you also have something like, like a good example, I think is like someone like Kraftwerk mm. is, is that ego? I don't know. It's, it's really hard to tell. I, I <laughs> German egos manufactured differently. Yeah. But, but I, I, <laughs> I just think that like, like, uh, something like that, the, the point was to more, um, it was more about branding. Yeah. And in kind of letting the the music and the brand speak for itself. And they were just more the technicians. Yeah. I think that with some things um, like with a Van Halen, do you think you could have Van Halen without the ego? I, I don't know why you'd want to. Sure. I, 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 I really, <laughs> I mean, probably not. Um, because, because uh, I, I think that ego also really informed their playing. So, so without the ego, you might have a Van Halen that just sounds like, I don't know, sounds like warrant or sure. 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 Or, or Brittany Fox or just something, <laughs> you know, something more standard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because there's also like a lot of bands where if they had the ego, any ego at all would probably like ruin it to some degree. Possibly. I, I you know, uh, like, do you like, think, like, like who do you think every, like, like if let's go back to craft work. Okay. Like if craft work was like 
obnoxiously kind of like check us out like yeah on like stage super showy and had more like you know not just like you know four gentlemen behind keys with a bunch of visuals but right. like very much like you know do you think it would have been the same or is there something that's kind of like about like the cold robotic nature of them as humans if they are human nobody really knows if they are yeah, human. <laughs> I, I i think it could work because because yeah. then you have something more like uh like a band like devo sure is like that yeah where you know like they, they they are there to serve the music and serve the presentation but but they're also not afraid to to like you know let let their humanity show a little bit once yeah. in a while and kind of like get out there and give you a, a little wink and a nudge and you know, I mean, there's, there's, there's one time I saw Devo and, uh, their guitar player was playing guitar solo and going crazy and like making all these, like, you know, like, like, oh, I'm getting electrocuted faces, like type yeah. faces, you uh -huh. know, and like, like really mugging it up hard. And it was like, you know, for, for as corny as that might be, it was also really hilarious and charming. And then the dude jumped in the audience, you know, and so you're not going to get something like that at at a craft work show. Sure. But it's so like, yeah, there's like, yeah, just different, different levels of ego, different styles of ego. I personally think like ego is so important in rock music. And I've had this conversation with a lot of people and some people agree with me. Some people don't, but I think a big part of why you're like top 40, top 10 billboard. A lot of the reason why you don't see a lot of rock music in there is because in modern rock ego has just vanished. It's mm -hmm. not there anymore. And the reason why a lot of like modern pop stars, hip hop artists, things like that, people like a post Malone, for example. Okay. Why they're at the top of the charts is because they have the ego and the attitude of a rock star. Yeah, they definitely do. I feel that like there is a, um, I think that for normal people that, uh, just like listening to music that want to connect with something, you know, not only is connecting to the vocals first important, but I think people like that ego. They like the persona. Yeah. yeah. And you need to have that. People love that sort of stuff. It's like people, you know, to some degree, people don't, it's like they want to relate with the artists, but like if it's like too, if they relate too much, then it's like not special. If that makes sense, if they relate too much. It's like if not it feels special. like if it feel I feel like there's if it feels like this person like if they feel like them like if oh this is something I could do this feels like somebody I know this feels like like um, maybe like a Kurt Cobain situation. Sure, um, I'm thinking like I'm thinking about like now in terms okay. of uh, just like the modern times because everybody God this gets into a whole like weird social thing with like how every popular musician also needs to not they, you can't just be a musician anymore. You have to be a whole personality and right, be online right. and all of these things like have like this, like crazy lifestyle, this crazy projected ego to some degree, 24 seven. And uh, it gives people something to look at. No longer are bands just uh, bands. They're not providing music anymore. They're providing entertainment on all levels you know right. what i mean they have to be a little funny they have to be a little relatable they need to be able to do all of these sort of things wear so many hats yeah and um man my thoughts just really like went all over the place i've never really like expressed this stuff in a way 
that I've been able to like articulate super well, but it's just, you know, thoughts in my head coming out onto a microphone. It's a podcast. Um, but yeah, I think that there's just, uh, that ego thing and people wanting to see something not, not unobtainable. Isn't the word for it, but just see a show, see something that they're, they're, they're not getting at home. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or in some cases that could be the appeal. They're, they're like, well, that's, that's exactly like what happens to me at home. That's why I relate to this. Or they, you know, they, they, they think it's what happens to them at home. Yeah. But, yeah. Know, they're, they're, they're embellishing. Quite yeah. A bit. You know, that's uh modern country music to a T probably. Yes. 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 <laughs> that, that, that's actually kind of what, what, what went through my head. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Um, yeah, there's there's all sorts of different ways. Uh, like like there's there's no one, there's nothing right or wrong. Oh yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, that's that's too bad. We could probably solve a lot of problems today if 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 that were the case. Oh, absolutely, yeah. but you know, like get the information out there. <laughs> yeah, in regards to art, I just find it so fascinating because like I've as a as as an artist that still puts things out into the world for people to digest. I'm like so interested in like, not now. Uh, it used to be like, oh, like I want to make just like good songs and I still want to do that. But now I'm so much more interested in like why people listen to the music that they listen to and, uh, you know, things like ego and things like the attitude and connecting with people, um, things that have nothing to do with songwriting and more have to do with just like social stuff, Mm -hmm. but it all connects to art and, uh, trying to, um, just understand how to connect with people better. And I mean, and also maybe connect with yourself better to like come up with better art instead of always trying to, you hear something cool and you're like, Oh, I want to do something like that. You know, like not letting my influence be, um, other, other people's art, but try to find, influence in other things besides music, which sounds like some fucking real ding dong shit to say, but uh, I mean that like no, very genuinely. No, no, but uh, that's, that's there, there's some truth to that. Um, it is, especially after being in, even if it's many different versions of the same band for over 20 years at this point, I think as time goes on, we think even less about, uh, trying to appeal to maybe, uh, trying to appeal to our influences sure, and just let things more naturally happen and, and realize that some of our influences really have nothing to do with music or art. You know, it's just daily life. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I mean, who knows, like maybe like, you know, putting in a new bathroom could be, could be, uh, an inspiration for, for songwriting. Sure. Yeah. There's so many things with, um, just, I, it's like, you know, thinking about, and I'm really not trying to be outlandish by saying that no, either. No, no, I, I agree with you. I think that I think a lot about how I'm a, I'm a person and this isn't unique. I imagine by any means, but I attach a lot of random memories to songs or vice versa. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? Like anytime I hear like 
the smashing pumpkins i think about like the way that like fall smells oh yeah you know yeah. because like there was something about like i don't know why like whether it was just like maybe one day i was outside listening to it on my disc man and like it just like connect like i had like a brief moment that connected with me and now i think about that all the time now i or, i I, you know, I have those those bands that are like fall bands yeah you know or, or like a summer band sure 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 yeah. and like you know and it's like okay it's like how you know like what is it about this song that uh can elicit that response in me or is it just me being a human and it has nothing to do with the music itself it's more likely option two which yeah. means that there is no way to really control how anybody is going to view or digest your art if you want to call your music your art you know everybody has different feelings right, about that right um but you know for me, like that's just how I feel about it. It's like I have no control over what people are going to think or do or say about my my work. Yeah. You know, it's just like, am I proud of it? Cool. Um, I'll put it out there and I want people to hopefully engage with it and I hope they get something out of yeah. it, whether they like it or not. Um, it's not like things don't need to be like good or bad. I just want people to engage with the art and hopefully it makes them think some think about something. Yeah. You know, just create some sort of a conversation or a dialogue, whether it's in their own head or with other people, whatever, you know, yeah. just like for, for me, I think it's, it's, it, it is that. And it's, it's more about um, just putting that extra thing into the world that'll sort of prod something and, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter which direction they go in. It's just, it's just, it's, it's more about the reaction happening than the result of the reaction. Sure. Yeah. I think that it's, it's interesting. I like to talk about, uh, this with, with people that will have like, um, like, I, uh, let's say, say for example, uh, like I have a lot of friends, I'm in my thirties. So I have a lot of friends that grew up listening to like the screamo stuff and like the, pop punk stuff like mm -hmm. your uh bands like under oath or my chemical romance or like you know all these bands that are now doing their revival tours I, i've noticed yeah <laughs> um because uh now's the time for it i guess uh but you know there's a lot of people that i've talked to throughout the years that are just casual fans of music or even people that are musicians and like they're like yeah i used to listen to stuff like that and a, a good question I like to ask those people is like, what was the band that made you not care about that genre of music anymore? Like, was there a thing Ooh. that made you like be like, yeah, this isn't for me anymore? Uh, <laughs> you mean like, like, like something that I previously did enjoy? Sure, sure, sure. If I was going to ask you this, like, say there's something okay. that, like, you I, know, I would say somewhere and this, this is showing my age, but, and I've talked with other people about this recently. Uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers are probably the prime example. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I liked them when I was in high school and just kind of going into college. And I think, uh, I think they had at least for compared to everything else I was hearing, I, I thought their approach was pretty unorthodox and also very irreverent. Um, and then whenever they did the album with Rick Rubin, 
I was excited to get it. I bought it, put it in my car's stereo, and I was immediately disappointed. Which record? What was that? Blood Sugar? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Blood Sugar, Sex, Sex Magic. Magic. Yeah. yeah. That, that, that was the album that for some reason, uh, I just found incredibly dull. And, and, as it, and then not only that, but, but I realized even though how much different it was, how much the same it was as well. And it made me look back on their, their previous stuff in not such a fond light. Interesting. And did that maybe like even change the way that you thought about like that kind of music in general? Somewhat. I mean, which is kind of hard because they were kind of in a league of their own. Yeah. That, that, at that point. That's what I'm saying know? is, is, is they, they, they were. And then, and, and right around those couple of years, whenever that big record came out, there were so many people aping that. Oh, for sure. Like, I mean, you know, like, I mean, everybody from like, you know, like metal bands to Lenny Kravitz, uh, everybody had like a, a little bit of that sound somewhere in there and it was blowing up real hard. Um, but yeah, that, 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 that's about the moment. So that's probably like, I forget what that was like 91, 92, something like that. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, like, but, but, uh, yeah, it was just one of those things where I'd like listen to it and I think, like, oh, well, this song's not so great, but I've heard other albums where they'll have like a couple bad songs. And then, then I'd listen more and I'm like, well, I really don't like this song. And then, you know, I'd keep it, keep it playing and I'd be like, man, like, I don't know, maybe side B, something's going to happen. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, that, 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 that was, it's a pretty identifiable moment for me for, for looking back on when, when my tastes yeah. started to change a little bit. Yeah. I remember, uh, I, you know, my, my dad is a metalhead. Um, like, and he always had like wild ass cassette tapes. Like I remember like being like a kid and like looking at his fucking like cannibal corpse cassette tapes and being like, what the fuck is this? You mm -hmm. know? And like listening to it when he wasn't around and just being like, this is too scary. But you know, he was also like anthrax, Megadeth, like all the classics, like yeah. you know, flotsam and jetsam, all the shit, you know, he's so like, I grew up around a lot of metal. And then like when I, became like, you know, you start get you get like nine, 10, 11, you start wanting to find your own identity. Mm -hmm. You know, I start like listening to more just like whatever was popular at the time. That was the nineties. So it was like, it wasn't abnormal to like rage against the machine and also the smashing pumpkins. Right. And also the beastie boys, you know, yeah. like all this stuff. So I liked a lot of that stuff, but I remember like really like, I always had a thing for like metal. I liked it, but it was, I always felt like it was like my dad's music. So like, I like, like kind of like shunned it for a very, very long time. But like over the course of time, because like radio rock got a little bit more and more and more extreme, you know, I started getting back into like heavy metal and all this stuff. And then like remembering like, Oh yeah, this kind of sounds like, you know, my dad's stuff. I'm like 13, 14 yeah. and going back and like listening to like, uh, I think actually, I think the big album for me, and this is like a weird one, but was, uh, uh, so when I was like 14, I started collecting records because that's when I started making beats. So I would go down to Jerry's and like, start like, you know, flipping through records. And I found a copy of Iron Maiden somewhere in time. And I was like, oh yeah, I remember this record from when I was a kid. That was actually the record that turned me on to metal. 
Interesting. Yeah. Super interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and that was in 86 and previously I really didn't care about music that much at all. Like, huh. like, like I was, I was kind of like a weird owl guy, you know, I, I liked it for, for the humor. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, you know, and it, there, there was, you know, I was little nerdy kid, you know, into playing D and D and then like, whenever I heard Iron Maiden, I was like, whoa, this, this is like all the stuff I'm into just in music form. Yeah. There was, you know, it's, it's, it's all the movies that I like. It's all like mm -hmm. the comic books I like, you know? Yeah. Dude, I fucking, dude, I loved Iron Maiden so much when I was a kid and like, I had forgotten about it. It's so weird. Cause it was only like six, seven years in the past, but when you're that young time yeah. just moves different. And I remember putting on like just that, that beginning of fucking, uh, the beginning of that fucking record and just like it was like uh like the first nostalgic wave i think uh, i ever the, had with, in my with life the, with the big keyboard uh -huh. intro yeah 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 fuck. and like and then like from there it was always like oh shit like and just like went back and like it was like but that interesting that which was like in which in terms of keyboard intros it's a pretty heavy keyboard intro oh totally it's fucking sick and that was it's funny because that was the album that like made me remember how much i loved heavy metal mm -hmm. and then like two or three years later i'm in like full makeup going to demu Borgir concerts at laga <laughs> <laughs> so it was a very quick transition <laughs> yeah i but but yeah like like there, there was other stuff that I, that i went back and got into like like it wasn't even until you know my 30s where i started to get really into zz top um, I'm and I, I think yeah. you, I think you may have saw my my post on Facebook recently. I made a joke about like I'm I, entering entering the ZZ Top as my favorite band phase. Yeah, I've been listening to like nothing but ZZ Top recently. It it is a phase that happens for certain people. Uh, it's hard to explain, but 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 I, I I'm not going to knock it. It's it's a good time when it happens. There's so much like. It's like, it's like, you're so aware of like the popular ZZ top songs that right. exist in the ether, but like even, I mean, and all of those songs are great in their own way, but there's so much like attitude groove ego, especially mm -hmm. for the time with what they were doing. And then like with the whole, the package is one thing. Cause like, you know, they just looked fucking great too. Yes. But the music itself, it's just like, this is so unapologetically unique, especially for the time. And then like, when you like read interviews with them over the years and like, uh, there was like one thing that I read about with, uh, fuck, I can't remember. One of the fucking dudes in the band like was a huge Depeche Mode fan. Oh, that's probably Billy Gibbons. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and like going to like a Depeche Mode show. Yeah. And like, like, like going back, like, like at backstage and like, they're like, hey, somebody wants to meet you. And like, it's fucking Billy Gibbons. And he's just like, yeah, I fucking love you guys. It was heavy. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? But like doing what they do, but also being able to have an appreciation for so many different kinds of music. I think it really shows in that in that music even though it's yeah. just like rock well there's, there's so much nuance there's there's some stuff like uh diguello is a good example like that's that's their weird record there's a lot of different things musically happening on that one that you won't find on a lot of their other ones and at first i thought it was just kind of like a like a curiosity record but it's it's also one that's really stuck with me like like, like there's you know there's some really solid well, stuff on there that's like made a really uh 
big a, imprint on me. Yeah. In a way, that's kind of what Somewhere in Time is for Iron Maiden's discography. Kind you know, of, yeah. It really has a unique voice compared to a lot of their other music. Um, I mean, they kind of carry that sort of like synth sound a bit onto Seventh Son of a Seventh Son. Mm-hmm. But that al- album is also like probably arguably their most like progressive record in it's terms a, of the songwriting. It's also their most pop. Yeah. So it's like an interesting... Those two records are really interesting, but Somewhere in Time just has like a very unique feel and also like yeah, arguably does. my favorite album cover of all time. Oh, it's it's one of the best <laughs> album covers ever. It's so fucking yeah. good. Yeah, I mean, it's... I don't want to think about how long it took to paint that. Oh, dude. Have you ever gone on like the... Uh, there's a Wikipedia page about that with all of the Easter eggs and stuff that uh-huh. are on the cover. I love it. It's so good. I'll, I'll have to look at that. Yeah, there's the, so the, much little weird hidden yeah. shit that like, like that, that. That's one of the ones I'd actually like to see the real version of. Because, oh, could be, because yeah. I, I I imagine it. How big do you th- think that fucking that's thing the thing? Is? It, it has to be pretty big to to be able to put detail like that and uh, still have it discernible. Yeah. You know, and like done, a, done with a, with, you know, even a very small paint. Derek Hess. Derek Hess. Yeah. Yeah. Man, yeah. That'd be cool. I'd go to London for a Derek Hess gallery. Yeah. They ha- that had to have happened at some point in time. It had to have. Those paintings have to exist. Yeah. Where are they? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, it, it's, it's a thing. It's like <laughs> you, you don't think about it so much because of the oversaturation, but you know, cause you've seen all that stuff so many times on all t-shirts and in the record jackets and in the videos and on the VHS cover and, you know, yeah. like on the tour bus and on the plane, you know, and you're so desensitized to it, but, but yeah, like to, to see some of the Derek Hess paintings really, really big, like, oh, man, like, like that one in power slave. Yeah. I, I, I think would, would be really cool to see. Yeah. All of the power slave artwork is great. I yeah. like, um, I remember being just actually really, really, really obsessed with that artwork when I was a kid. Um, one thing that was really cool, um, was my, uh, I had an uncle that was a big record collector and, uh, I would get dumped at his house a lot when I was growing up. My parents were super young and worked and shit like that. So babysitter type shit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he would always take me down to like fucking, Dave's and Jerry's and Ides with him because he was always shopping. And every once in a while, he would like let me pick out a record and then like, you know, he would have it and we would listen to it at his house on his turntable and like had like, you know, Power Slave and Live After Death and Old Anthrax, all this stuff that like Live I After Death kid. is another good album cover. Yeah, a great album cover. Yeah, uh, I, I would say it's it's I would argue that it's better than the album. <laughs> we can talk about that in a minute. Yeah. Uh, but um, I guess the thing is what was really cool is like when I, you know, start when I started getting into records, I remember I had mentioned to my uncles like, oh, I found this Iron Maiden record at, at Jerry's. And he was like, oh, I still have all those records from when you were a kid. Do you want them? I don't want them. Holy shit. <laughs> so that ended up being like the start of my collection was just like all of these like cool old presses. And I still have all that stuff. And like, that was like, it was awesome because like, those were like legitimately the records that like I grew up listening to, like holding in my dumb little, you know, five year old hands. So like, they're like very, very prized possessions to me. But, uh, yeah, live after death, I haven't objectively listened to 
in a very long time, but it holds a very high standard more the VHS tape than the vinyl. Cause I remember I had oh, the yeah, VHS yeah. tape and watching that as a kid, like Steve Harris made me want to make music. Yeah. Watching and, that fucking and Bruce tape. Dickinson with the bird mask. Yeah. <laughs> like, like whatever that yeah, was. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Totally. Totally. But that's a fucking show, man. Yeah. Can you even, and it's so wild to think that they were on that level with like being able to tour the States at that level with yeah. like no real industry support. They had a little like, like you would hear like something like run to the Hills on WDVE. At, uh, oh well, really? Like yeah, at that time? Yeah. Yeah. Like, like once in a while, but, but then I want to say maybe like once like 87, 88 hit, you stopped hearing that sort of thing on there. Like is I, like me, like at the, at the most you would hear like another thing coming by Judas Priest. Sure. And, and that was like, I think they felt that was their, their staple that they would keep to, you know, satiate that listener. Uh-huh. Now as somebody that, um, you're, you, you are older than me. Yeah. The age doesn't matter, but you are older than me. So you grew up being able to hear, but, but, run to the- but, I'm young at heart. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely, baby. But the point I'm making is you remember being able to hear run to the Hills on radio. Right. And, uh, like in the eight, like when it was a a new song. Well, not when it was a new song, but, but, but objectively new a couple years after. And then you mentioned like, you know, 86, 87 things start to change. Yeah. This is because, because, because I really didn't pay attention until that point. Fair enough. Like, like I said, I, I really didn't, you know, like, like my, my knowledge of especially heavy metal was twisted sister, which I was just like, Oh, these are like comedy guys. Yeah. You know, like they make funny videos, which is and, like, and, and then I was like, wait, they, they have records too. Why, sure. why would they, why would anyone listen to it? I, I feel kind of bad for D Snyder in that band. I feel like they were really, really good at what they did and they got kind of put into a situation a little bit, but, but I mean, really like in the grand scheme of things, yeah, like it all worked out. And I mean, the the guy is living off of it. Oh, absolutely. You know, like, so I guess you shouldn't feel that bad. He's set for life. Totally. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. And, uh, but I, I, it would have been, I don't know. I, sometimes I think about alternative timelines and what things could have been like. It's like the, the romantic in me, but radio shifting the conversation a bit. Mm-hmm. Something I've started to think about is like, oh, like re- real quick. I want to pause this mm-hmm. and, and I'll bring it back. Okay. Back to ZZ top. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And in the thing you're in your thirties and I got heavily into ZZ top in my thirties. And I think there's something in their music, their whole presentation, everything that speaks to someone at that age mm. that, and that didn't whenever you're younger. Uh, it's, it's, it's kind of old guy music. Sure. All right. Um, but I, I think part of the reason you start like appreciating that when you're in your thirties is because, Oh, I got my own place. Now I stay up as late as I want, you know, like I like to drink beer on the patio at like 4am, you know, yeah. and then like, and like just have a quiet conversation with my friends. And I, and I think their, their music really lends well to that. That's a very good point. I think that 
I can I could see that that very much you speak very much to my character when explaining a lot of those things. I I, I can see it. Mm-hmm. I can see it. Yeah. With I, radio. Yes. Back to this legacy artists in radio. When the fuck did we decide like what time point was it where we're like, oh, these are the bands that are going to represent rock radio forever. And then it's going to be this way forever, forever. Like when did that change happen? Bruce Springsteen, U2, Rolling Stones. That's it. That's all you get. It's so fucked, man. Nothing else for you. Yeah. Like, yeah. What is that? I don't know. I really don't know. And it's so strange. Like I, I'm not one of these people that's like, uh, fuck the Beatles, fuck the Rolling Stones, fuck the doors. Me either. I find the value in well, all well, that stuff. May, maybe fuck the doors a yeah, little bit. Maybe fuck the doors a little bit. Yeah. But like, why do we still, why am I still seeing the same fucking stupid portrait of Jim Morrison on t-shirts to this day that I've been seeing since I was a kid? Yeah. When does it stop? Yeah. When in, do pe- in, 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 in every like, in every like poster shop at the beach. Oh yeah. 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 Like when does, yeah. That, like the fucking stupid John Lennon print, like all this right. stuff. It's like, when do I stop seeing like time magazine Beatles greatest band of all time or Elvis and all these things. It's like not to take away from their legacy, but it's just like, when do we let something new in? Like these are the same conversations that pop culture has been having in regards to rock music. Yeah. Since I was a child yeah. and maybe it's going to take hindsight. Maybe in 10 years, I'll realize that things were changing. I'm just not seeing it in the moment, uh, but it just doesn't feel all that different to me. Yeah. I, I like, I think, uh, and I would go back to like the fifties. You think of like someone like Jerry Lee Lewis, Elvis, like those were the icons. And then I think somewhere around, like the early to mid seventies, I, I think someone thought, Oh, these are the new icons. And it's, uh, th- there've been attempts since then there've been attempts, you know, it's like, you mentioned like someone like, uh, like post Malone, like, yeah, you can buy a lot of post Malone paraphernalia, you know, there's probably some posters, there's yeah. def- definitely t-shirts, you know, stuff with his, his goofy mug on it. Sure. Um, but, but it, you know, it's like time will tell if it's going to stick around. And I don't think it is only because I think those people like John Lennon's face, Jim Morrison, uh, you know, Elvis, I think there's also some other, it goes a little bit beyond where I think there's like a certain, uh, dollar investment attached to those. Oh, sure. Uh, that, that is never going to be attached again. Like, like, like you, you look at like, even like, uh, Madonna isn't even as much of an icon as she once was. Um, trying to think who, who else is a good example. I'm thinking about movies and like Michael Myers, like they still make Halloween movies. Oh yeah. It's dog shit. Why are we? It's because they know they could sell it. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same fucking thing yeah. over and That's over the, and over yeah, again. And it's, it's just all about selling it. Yeah. There's, there's, there's a uh, no, no intent to make, make something good there. It's uh yeah, it's yeah. It, like, like really if, uh, if, if you followed the logic in, in the original Halloween movie, uh, you know, Michael Myers would be wearing a different mask in every movie. 
but but they still want to ha- have the same like goofy William Shatner, yeah, uh, thing. It's you know r- really lost its effect. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it doesn't quite do what it once did. No, I think that it's 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 like I, I think that's with a lot of things too. It's like I think a lot of things are less effective over time as as they're as you get used to them and there's the the oversaturation. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it just just loses its impact. And it's in a way with music, you know, you pull the human element out of it and it stops feeling so real. You know, there's a moment like if you think about the first Halloween movie, especially for the time that it came out, you know, it was a very simple movie, but it felt real. It just feels like something that can happen. Oh, it's great. And then you juxtapose that with the newer movies where it's like borderline fantasy. Yeah. Because, you know, like you're introducing ideas of like immortality and superhuman strength and all of this like absurd stuff. And it's just like, okay, well now I no longer relate to this. Yeah. Well, part of what was scary about the original one is that they sort of alluded to those things, but they never said for sure. Oh, sure. Yeah. And as as soon as you go and, you know, say for sure, it kind of takes the thrill out of it. You know, like that's, I, and I, th- I think back to music, that's why I think it's good to just put things out there and let people make of it what with, you know, the, the, let them come to their own conclusions. Yeah. Uh, you know, instead of saying, well, like, like, you know, you're supposed to be in this kind of mood when you listen to this band, you know, like, like, gee, how, like, how exciting, you know, <laughs> like how fun, uh huh. you know, um, but, but yeah, like, yeah, like those, those, uh, those movies were, were definitely, uh, a lot scarier. I mean, like, I, I still think that the first one is kind of scary. Yeah. Uh, for as many times as I've seen it and, and it's, you know, like, like, you know, and I know I sound like one of the, the probably many documentaries on Halloween, but, uh, that have been made, but, but, but it's, yeah, it's like it's, a lot of it's about what you don't see. And, and the other thing is there's, there's hardly any blood in it. Like there's no blood, there's no gore. Sure. You know, it's just more like, it's just more about being like a total creep. And I, I, I think that's, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's scarier than, uh-huh. than, than, you know, jumping out and being like, boo. So I was at, um, Universal Studios Orlando this fall for their, every year they do the Halloween Horror Nights. Um, and they have like a bunch of haunted houses that they build inside of the sound stages at All Universal. Right. And they're sick. And they did one for it was like the original Halloween based on the first movie. Um, and they keep in mind, there's all there's nine other haunted houses throughout the park. Um, and the Halloween one was the last one that I went through the night that I went. And it was probably one of the most effective because it was just like you walking through and there was no scare actors or anything like that. There was just like subtle hints of Michael Myers in different distances. Mm -hmm. Like you see him through the laundry, you see him maybe at the top of the steps and then it goes away. So like you're like you're getting all like paranoid and feeling claustrophobic in this moment. And it was like so much more effective than the other houses that were objectively cool in their own ways, but none of them made me feel like uncomfortable or yeah, like yeah. on, on ease. I'm just like, yeah, I'm in a place with a bunch of 
teenagers in costumes and we're having a, we're having a yuck about it. Yeah. Uh, but that I was just like, wow, like this was like really intense. And like, I know I'm in a simulation, like imagining like something like this though, because it looked like a real house. Was there a recreation of the bedroom scene? Yeah. With, with the tombstone. Yeah. Yeah. See, I like, I've, I always found that to be one of the scariest things, you know, just, the, just, just basically just, like, because, because, because like, the, the, the way they, they, they present it in the movie, it's like, it's very, uh, they, they, they put you in the movie there and it's like, you're, you're coming home and you're finding this, like this, you know, fucked up scenario. And, and there's, there's no, uh, there's nothing that tells you how it happened. Yeah. You just have to deal with, with it, it all at once. Really cool. It was like, you know, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the ways that they do, uh, their, their haunts there. They're very narrative, all of them. Mm -hmm. And like, they all tell a story and it's almost like you're walking. I like to think of it as like, you're walking through panels of a comic book when you're walking through a haunted house. All right. Uh, at least a good haunted house. Yeah. And like each room is a different panel that tells a story. And sometimes like people get messed up thinking about like, Oh, like why are all these actors dressed the same? And it's like, it's a narrative. And you're going through the narrative. So even though they're played by different people because of technicalities and logistics, you know, you got to put yourself into the mindset of like, you are walking through this story in real time. And it's not like, um, like the, you're walking through a story, but it's not in real time. You know what I mean? It yeah. Is, yeah. You know, different, you might go from one room to another room, but it could be, a different hour or a different day, depending on what the story is trying to tell you. Yeah. Well, they, and, they, and, they, and they, a, they have to abbreviate the whole thing. Totally. So, yeah. Totally. I mean, you're, you're condensing like something like Halloween into a, you know, five, 10 minute walk through however long it takes, you yeah. know? Um, but yeah, it's really cool. I like, I like that stuff. And it just made me again, like thinking about like how simple it was, but it was so effective and that can go back to, music in so many ways because there's so much music that is objectively not technically complicated, but like perhaps emotionally complicated might be a <laughs> dramatic way to put it, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it just like you, you just triggered a memory for me. Okay. Right? I, I, you want to indulge me? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Okay. Uh, the, the, the haunted house thing and Michael Myers or whatever, uh, whenever I was 21 and I just, moved out of my parents' house and I lived in this, this goofy flop house with these other guys. Uh, this, this, uh, you know, like all from different backgrounds, you know, there was a, uh, a certain, uh, level of drug use going on, on the premises. Well, anyhow, the one night I got home from work, probably about seven o'clock, I walk into the house and I turn on the lights, took off my jacket and I turned around and the stairwell is right there when you first come in. And I was like, oh, fuck, what is this? And there was, and I could tell it was real. It was, there was blood splattered on all of our walls, all the way up the stairwell into the bathroom. <sighs> and all <laughs> over the bathroom. Like, have you ever seen like any of the early Unsane album covers? <laughs> yeah. This, okay. Yeah. This yeah. is exactly what it looked like. Okay. Um, I had no, I was so freaking terrified. I had no idea what the hell was going on. And 
it turns out that uh, one of the guys that lived at our place uh, was an, an aspiring drug dealer. And fuck. he <laughs> he and his friend, well, like he was owed money by this one guy. And he and his friend concocted this scenario. Uh, this is kind of actually the disappointing part because like you find out what really happened. Okay. Yeah. Uh, because they like, they, but they concocted this scenario um, where they were going to try and scare this guy into giving him money. And so the idea was that the one guy was supposed to like pretend like he was just out hanging out with the other guy. And then he's going to bring him back to like our place to maybe buy something or just hang out for a bit. And, uh, he had these other guys also at our place. I guess they were hiding in the kitchen and they ran around the corner and had like the garbage tie riot cuff things. And they, they put like the two guys in the, the riot cuffs and they were, th you know, like the one guy was acting like, like, Oh, I don't know what's going on. I don't, you know, and I don't know if they ever got the money out of the guy or not, but whenever, after the whole thing was done, they went to, to like cut off like, like the, the tie off of the guy. Like he had his, his, yeah. his arms like this. Uh -huh. And they were using one of those like carpet cutter razor knives Fuck. that you find at like Home Depot. Yeah. And they slipped and, oh, and they cut his wrist. Oh, no. And it just started, I guess I wasn't there, but they told me that like, it just started like shooting at all the walls. And oh, I mean, like, man. like the guy ended up in the ER. But, but yeah, like it was, it was all because they were a couple of bunglers. Yeah. You know, they weren't really good drug dealers. Oh no. <laughs> Damn. Well, at first, uh, so the, the ending to that story ended up being a little bit better than I thought. I, uh, I was, I was under the impression that when you said they were going to try to scare him, that they just actually did some haunted house shit and put like fake blood on the walls. Oh no, and, like, no, no. Drag them into the house or be like, yeah, this is what happened to the last guy. If you don't pay us. No, the, the, the blood, the blood was real. was real, but it was a <laughs> byproduct of them being idiots. Yes. Understood. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it, it really was everywhere. Like, yeah, that's intense. It, it took a lot of work to clean it up. Sure. And, and I, I think most of the cleaning, we made him do it from, from what I recall. Yeah. Did, did, did he, did he do an okay job? It was okay. You could still, you, it still lingered around for months. Yeah. I and, find that. And then we, we just ended up moving out of there. So yeah. wasn't in, our in, problem anymore. In situations like that, when somebody is responsible for a mess and then, you know, by the, the natural response is that said person should be also responsible for cleaning up the mess. But I find that in most cases, the person that made the mess has no interest in cleaning it. So somebody else ends up needing to pick up the slack on what they did anyways. So yeah, is making them half ass clean it ever a good punishment if you need to go in and fix it anyways? Well, I mean like most of the hard work was done. It's fair just, enough. It's just getting blood out of walls is pretty difficult. Yeah. Uh, little, it, it really doesn't want to come off. Yeah. It's, 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 uh, interesting how, uh, permanent yeah. they made that stuff in us. Yeah. And, 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 uh, I, I don't think the place had the best paint job sure. to begin with. So, uh, yeah, like there's probably like, probably like a, 
like a, a row house that had like, you know, one coat of paint on the inside as uh-huh. opposed to like your usual, like three coats. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> no one saw it going here. No, no, no. I was yeah. thinking about like, you know, like it's like, I'm just like looking around and I'm like, I wonder if anyone ever accidentally cut their wrist in this place in a bungled drug deal. I'm certainly in the neighborhood for you it. You are in the neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, 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 but even though we are deep underground in a top secret bunker. Oh yeah, absolutely. But, but we are in the neighborhood. Yeah, we are absolutely in the neighborhood for it. So, uh, as we round the station here, uh, we've, we've done a, wow. We've been talking a lot longer than I realized, John. Well, that's a good sign. Yeah. Um, we need to, uh, we'll cut it off now. Doesn't mean that we need to stop hanging out. All right. But you know, you can only expect people to listen to things for so long. Yeah, we're at like an hour 20. This is almost a full length movie. This is almost Halloween. Yeah. Maybe even Halloween. I don't know how long that movie is. 88 minutes, maybe. I'm going to say 87. Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah. Um, microwaves. New record. Discomfiture Atlas. Yeah. That's a really cool name for a record, by the way. Thank you. Yes. Uh, this is out. It's We're out. going to be out. Out. Go, go to, uh, it's, it's out now. Go to 31g.com and you can order it. From there, uh, there's some of the finer record stores around Pittsburgh that has copies. Um, there are some of the the better distros nationwide. Uh, I believe it's available in Europe right now. Um, so if you live in Germany and you want to get a copy, or if you live in France and you want to get a copy, you can do that without having to pay exorbitant shipping fees. Very, very cool. And uh, yeah. I do want to thank you. I'm just like looking now. I'm like lost looking at this album cover. This is really cool. There's so much detail that you don't see when you see it on like a little square on your phone. Yeah. You know, ah, dang. But uh, yeah, check it out. If you like that weirdo stuff, you know what I mean? <laughs> what do you classify yourselves? You said punk rock. Punk. It's, it's like, I would say progressive punk. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it, like a lot of the stuff we're, we're drawing on is, I don't think it's really that weird. It's kind of like played out stuff, but, but you know, it's like, like we, we really like the, the early, like kind of like first and second wave of punk, you know, and by that, I mean like, you know, like flipper black flag, you know, like, like, and, uh, you know, like a lot of prog rock, um, probably some other stuff. And, you know, it just kind of all just gets poured in there and, uh, mixed up together. You know, we, we don't try to like have it come across as like a pastiche. Yeah. Um, you know, like, 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 Oh, here's the polka part guys. Uh, Uh you know, like it's, you know, it, it might be in there. There might be a polka part in there, but, uh, you know, it's, again, it's, some of that's left up to the listener. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Well, check it out. Make up your own damn mind about it. Spend money on it. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. Spend. It's not available on the internet at all. The only way to listen. No, no, to it. no you, you can actually get it through Bandcamp. Okay. So go, go to our Bandcamp page or the three, one G Bandcamp site. Yeah. And, uh, 
but but yeah, buy it. Spend uh, <laughs> spend twenty twenty two dollars, um, and you know I think you'll you'll uh, enjoy repeated listens. Yeah, hell yeah, yeah. Pretty proud of this record, as you should be, John. It's awesome that again, like from the beginning of this conversation, um, it's just great uh, talking with somebody that has been in the scene, a music scene for a long time and is still like happy about it and still putting out work that they feel proud of because it's really easy to get down on yourself as an artist or feel like, what's the point? Feel like, am I too old for this? All of that like stereotypical stuff. But then there's people like you. And for me, it's just like, Hey, John's still doing it and having a good time. He's found his groove. Yeah. I just got, if I'm ever feeling down about it, I just got to like, relocate where I'm, I'm, I'm getting my groove from, I guess. Yeah, I think part of it has to do with, uh, not really having too many expectations either. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Expectations ruin art. They, they, they can be a downer. Yeah, totally. Totally. Well, John, uh, this has been a podcast and I don't have an outro. It doesn't matter. You no get outro. it. It's the end. If anybody hasn't already even tuned out at this point. So, uh, thanks for being here. You're most welcome. This I'll, was fun. Yeah. And for everyone out there listening, thank you as well. I'll be back again. Who knows when? Probably next week. I usually put out an episode every week. So uh, until then, take care of yourselves. Take care of the people around you. And buy that fucking microwaves record. And do not call into the show. This is (laughs) pre-recorded. There is no phone number available for you to call. No emails, please. Oh, yeah. Don't email me. I won't read it. Yeah but you could email 31G and tell them how much you like the new microwaves record. You could do that. That'd be great. Or you could just buy it instead. Or just buy it and then tell them how much you like it. Yeah, vote with your dollars. Goodbye. <laughs>